if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. So we try and get our clients to have their brand stand for something. And case in point is Channel O. Already it's a youth brand, you know, but that's just the product. But what is, what is their function? Why are they there? To bring the issues of young people to the fore. That's basically what we've made them do. Playing music videos is a staple, but they don't stand for music videos. They stand for something greater. It shows in the work that we've been creating for them over the past years. But sometimes there are brands that shouldn't be brands that are socio-driven. Welcome to The Lead Creative, where we talk to the creative minds behind some of the leading brands, businesses, organizations, and top ideas that we all love. Our chats range from building brands, conceptualizing new products, strategy, and building businesses. I'm your host, Mongezim Tati. Every generation has moments where great ideas change the course of humanity. This is true of great movements. In some instances, a brand comes along with messaging that sticks, with advertising that becomes the talk of the town, that sends products flying off the shelves. Zuelake Chabangu, known as Z, to many in his circle, is the founder and executive director of the Make Beautiful Agency, an award-winning agency that has done work for many top brands, including Mzanti Magic, DSTV, Hollard, the IEC, and many others. Z is the kind of mind whose ideas contribute to the turn in society that I spoke about earlier. Zuelake, it's great to have you as our lead creative on this episode. Great, great to be invited, my brother. Thanks, Mungi. Thanks. Thank you, brother. Congratulations, first of all, on the fifth year of the Make Beautiful Agency. What has been your biggest learning of the past five years? I'm sure there are many, but what's the one that kind of sticks out for you? No, firstly, thank you, man. Thank you. It's a big milestone for us. You know, in any business market, I'll tell you, if you go over five years, you know, you, you're really up to something. You know, statistics prove with about 80% of startups don't make it beyond three years. And here we are toasting to five. So we take nothing for, for granted. We're really grateful for that. In terms of the learnings, Mongi, um, it's staying true to yourself. And I think how we got lucky is what we named the agency, you know, because it's almost like we gave ourselves a test. You know, yeah. if you, if you know, um, who's this rapper with the best music, you know, yes, <laughs> so, yes. uh, Khalid. So he's, yes. he's, he's named his record, something that he aspires to. He may not always achieve it, yes. nor will we always achieve to make beautiful everything we do, but we strive for it. And I think that litmus test of, is this the best work we can do? Are people going to look at this? and say, wow, this is beautiful work. It touched me. It moved me. I'm going to participate with this brand. Mm. You know, so uh, even the clients, you know, when we finish presenting, let's say they really love the idea. They, they already know what to say. They'll be like, ah, guys, this is beautiful, man. So we've already started a language, a mindset, and a movement of creating beautiful work that works beautifully. And I mean, I've seen your work. I mean, I've seen a lot of your inspired work. And I think one of my most favorite in recent times was the IEC's Excel yeah. campaign, which yeah. again resonated with the younger voters, you know, in a country that 
well, not even a country, not even because it's our country, but in an era where young people are said to be apathetic towards voting and you created a message that enables these conversations to happen in that space. What would you attribute the success of your agency to, especially in a space where bigger multinational players are competing for the same piece of work that you're looking for? I think for us, you know, I'm a big movie fan. There's a scene in um, Enemy of the State where Will and um, uh, Gene Hackman, yes. and Gene Hackman is giving him, um, you know, how to how to beat Big Brother. Um, and he talks about they're big, so that makes them slow. You're small, so you're agile. Sure. You know, so agility has been a great part of our success um, because we don't we don't compete with you know, with all due respect, people of our size, we actually compete with um, the, the Goliaths of the industry, you sure. know, because that's, again, that's how we pitched ourselves. We don't see ourselves as small. We may be David, but then again, you know, we all know what happened to Goliath. So we really try to improve how speedily we get to the good idea. You know, um, you'll find in agencies, they'll have a good idea, but then they'll go tell client, no, it's not there yet. And they spend another week literally farming in, you know, in the dark, knowing that there already is a great idea that can be crafted and taken to client now. So we are that agency that, um, hey, that's a great idea. Let's quickly make it good. Let's quickly make it great. And then we go show it to client. And believe you me, more often than not, even if client doesn't buy the idea immediately, but they appreciate that we got back to them sooner. And that's that, that time saves you time because um, by going back sooner, you don't go in there with a tada, and then your tada is completely off the mark. Whereas sure. you had time to go back sooner to see if you're on the right path. So I think for us, agility, getting to the idea, to the, to the great idea quickly and crafting it, has been our trump card against the big boys and girls. Is there an art to the perfect client pitch, or do you go with insight and instinct because you've done this for a while? I think there are quite a few things with, with the perfect pitch. Gonzalo will tell you what the perfect pitch is in terms of sound, but yes. in terms of you know the, the business way in the business of creating um, or selling creative ideas or selling um, solutions for our clients' problems, I've realized that you, you should never walk in with a 10 out of 10, you know? Go in Sorry, with an eight. Should, you shouldn't walk in with a? 10 out of 10 idea. Oh, I see, yeah. Because then you start looking like a show wolf. Nobody likes a show wolf, you know. Have a strong enough idea that your client can still add to. See what I mean? Because a lot of the times you go in there like we know it all. Nobody likes a know it all. So yeah. go in there, be very uh, modest. Even if you know good, this one is the sweeper of all sweepers of ideas. Sure. Um, be very mindful of coming across as arrogant and as know it all. One of the founding fathers of uh, modern advertising, Bill Bernbach, mm. he said he used to, he's the guy who started DDB. Yeah. He said he used to walk into client presentations with a note in his pocket that yeah. said, perhaps the client is 50% correct. Mm -hmm. You see what I mean? So that's the humility. You can be the smartest creative in the room, come up with the best idea in the room, but just respect your client and don't think that everything you have in your laptop is the be all and end all. So I think humility comes comes a lot into it. And also we don't over rehearse, you know, like, and then you say this, and then you say that, no, 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 no. 
we look at the presentation, everybody in the same room, and then I'll say this, and then you'll say that, and then we go home, you know, mollify it at the back of our heads. We get in the room, everybody's bow tied up, suited up, and then we we do the sell. Another thing I'm getting from this is, um, I think, aside from the humility and uh, walking in there, respecting the clients, I get the impression that you also get in there with a more with a more collaborative approach to your idea generation, or at least to your presenting of an idea. Is this is this a big part of it? It's a very big part of our ethos, actually. Because even the very campaign you're quoting, you know, uh, Make Beautiful was of service to the agency that was signed to the IEC um, account. So we were of service to that agency. So again, we were not scared to be in collaboration with other um, companies or other other kids, as we put it, you mm. know, collaborating with other agencies, um, production houses, um, and clients, you know, like I said just now, Always make your client part of the creative solution or part of, you know, the fun bits. You know, don't just call client to the shoot or the radio and stuff like that and they should just sit and watch. Make them part of the organic creation of of the solution. Because when the CEO says, I I don't see where this is going and you're not in the room, guess it's going to fight for that work. I get it. I get it. And that makes perfect sense. A lot of the time when we talk about, you know, working in the creative space and building creative work that changes the course of humanity or at least that changes mindsets and gets action out of um, out of it. It's said that some of the best work out there is based on, you know, human insights that resonate, a human truth that drives mm-hmm. results. How would you define great, compelling advertising? And how would you define this human insight? Because everybody mm. defines human insights or insights differently, you know? Mm. Mm. I think, yeah, insights are the key, man, you know? And, and there are things that will always change in our industry. There are things that will always remain the same. You know, I remember when um, the whole digitization happened about, you know, 12, 15, call it 17 years ago, and words like advertising is dead were being, you know, brandished about, or, you know, this medium is dead, or that medium is dead. TV, they even said TV is dead, you know, and every time Silram, our president, speaks, um, nobody watches it anywhere else but on their TV, which is quite interesting in itself. So what I'm trying to get to, because your answer is twofold, so let me go back to the insight. Yes. The insight for me is the sweet spot. It's the sweet spot between what the brand is trying to say and where the person they're talking to is. And then you couple that with learned experiences. In fact, you could probably define an insight as a, as learned and lived experiences because that is the sweet spot. You can do an ad top of your head and it can work, or you can do one with insight and sometimes the execution lets the insight down. You know, some ads are like, ah, oh, they almost got it, man. It's because the insight was strong, but the execution not so strong. So I would define an insight as a learned and lived experience meeting the brand's message. And then on the question of you asking me about campaigns, sorry, sorry, what what was your other yeah, question? Yeah, how would you how would you define Great, compelling, at the t- compelling at the time. Ah, 
I think it, <laughs> you know, the funny thing about that question is that even bad ads move people. Yeah. Because, you know, most of my mentors, what, you know, used to say to me, is like, okay, go out there and create work that moves people, that make people feel something, that make them want to act, you know? And ironically, a bad ad upsets me. So that's my emotion. It makes me want to throw out my TV and that's an action. <laughs> you know what so, I mean? So it could get a good or a bad reaction out it of could, you yeah, either you way, know. but it's yeah. supposed to get an action out of you. Yes, but... I'm not going to dodge your question and I'll answer it by saying, <laughs> I'll answer it by saying, if I used to think, for example, that product A is better than product B, and then you do a campaign that changes my mind into thinking, actually, product B works better for me than product A. That for me is great advertising. So... In South Africa, there was the, you know, there was the, the glug glug ad with the kid mm. playing with his car, for instance, and globally or at an international level, there was the, the camel man or the Stuyvesant man or whatever it is, right? Mm. So mm. what's in that space? Because generations, the, the, those ads didn't just move people to an action, but they also changed generations i mean those images are etched in our yeah. minds yeah whether yeah. you know and and we and even today we still learn about them we still learn about the bmw ad i think it is the mouse uh, the mouse exactly yeah. you know yeah. these these this work moved generations how mm. how then do we move beyond just moving people to moving a generation like that do you know when you're creating that kind of work for instance if you're enjoying the lead creative please take a moment to share this episode with your network please hit subscribe or follow this podcast to get our latest episodes enjoy the show sure <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i think i think instinctively you know you know when people like you know when they accept the award, I mean, luckily, locally in South Africa, we don't, there are no speeches at award shows. And I think it's for safety reasons more than anything, (laughs) because things can be said. You know, when when people say, ah, you know, it was a surprise. Ah, we didn't think, come on, you know what you put in, you know? You know what you put into that work. You bled for that thing. You were bare knuckle, you know? Yes. Um, You know, you, you know, you were doing six to sixes on this. You were crafting this piece of work. Because you believed in it and you believed in what it could do. Yes. So I think work like that, and even even when you hear war stories about how mouse happened or um, what's another iconic one? The, I mean, there's the, there's the Chapman's Peak ad with the... Yes, the yeah, you know, yeah, you know, uh, um, you know uh, designed to beat the bands. So yes. when you hear those war stories about how the guys and the girls go to that kind of thinking it wasn't like overnight things it was craft and going back to the drawing board and beating themselves to that one execution that was an iota close to flawless so to get to that kind of work it 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 needs collaboration um it needs people that are really passionate about what they do and i think the reason also those pieces of work stood out is that there wasn't a lot of work you know Mm. in today's time there's a lot of brands there's a lot of 
you know, advertising and marketing and our attention is divided, you know, you know, before we had two appliances to, to get information from the radio and TV yeah. today, they're just like too many to, to name. Um, but, but on that, on that, I think, I mean, I want to, I, I want to kind of challenge you a little bit on that mm -hmm. because on the one hand, there were only two devices from which we got our information. Now there are many devices from which we mm -hmm. get our information. On the, uh, on the opposite end of that spectrum, there are also many devices through which I or you as a consumer give your information and data and insight for the advertiser to get, or, or at least the creative mind, to get mm -hmm. more insight into me as a human being so that they hit yes. the spot more often. Why do mm -hmm. we get it so wrong now when we got it so much better in the 80s? If, and I'm not saying we got it better in the 80s, better than we do now. I'm just saying mm -hmm. that when, when we talk about iconic work, we still talk about iconic work of a certain era as opposed to iconic work of now when there are so many insights that I mm -hmm. give now and information about myself for you to be able to, to, you know, to speak to me directly on mm -hmm. any device. And I've got many devices. Because you, your argument is coming from the fact that we know more about a consumer now yes. than we did back then. So clearly yes. we should hit the mark more, more often. often. Yeah. 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 More often across more devices. Mm. Mm. I think you're right. We should be getting it much better. You know, I think we should be hitting the mark much sharper and more often, but we, we are missing more often than we hit. <laughs> and, you know, I guess that's, that's room for improvement. I would suspect that the reason for that is that we're trying to be everything to everyone on every platform, Sure. you know? So I'll give you an example. Burger King does some really, it may not always be what what works, but they get their platforms. For example, about a, about a decade ago, they did a campaign where they said, and uh, they were actually banned by Facebook. Mm. Um, the campaign was the, the premise was very simple like what would you do for a whopper right yes which is like their you know their flagship burger and then like people would send and then they did a facebook campaign that said the more friends you lose or dump you're gonna get a whopper you know what i mean <laughs> so like they they went completely against and that was when yeah. we were all still excited about facebook and you know making friends and things like that so until, you know, Zuckerman said, uh, uh, you know, that's not why I created this platform. Yeah. You know, I make, I make my money from the more people that, that are on yeah, my platform. Yeah, so make friends and, and, and yeah, but you, yeah. you couldn't, you couldn't run that on any other platform, but mobile, you see. Yes. Yes. So that's yes. that mark being hit. That's people who understand their market. That's people who get the right information and, you know, use it perfectly on the right platform. But what we're doing now, you'll see an ad on TV. When you go on YouTube looking for something else, it's that ad again. When you, you know, just scrolling through uh, newspaper articles or whatever things of interest, you'll see that banner of that ad and you're like, what is this doing here? I'm yes. not here for this, you know? Yes. So the, those hits and misses, that is where they're taking place. When we try and blanket media platforms with something that was designed just for one. I mean, yes. it, you know, radio, that's why I love radio. Because radio force well doesn't force you to listen, but what I like about radio um, and not all the radio ads are good, is that it's it's written stuff is written for radio, 
you know you don't hear a radio ad on tv with a black sure. screen and just voices sure. you know you see because we respect the radio platform it lives but up we don't, to yeah it, i mean we, it lives up to the to the to this notion that radio is the theater of the mind isn't it absolutely absolutely you know so if you're not going to place a, a radio ad on tv or even on newspaper or magazine or mobile then let's stop throwing things that don't belong on television, on mobile, or vice versa. So basically be intentional about the platform that you're placing your work on and yeah. create for that platform specifically. Exactly, exactly. You know. Now, there's another interesting thing that came up in our last episode, actually, when we spoke to Umi around a similar topic of, I think, creating for a medium or a platform or the fact that mm-hmm. work has transformed so much that we now, the creating for a 30-second spot is no longer a thing as much as it once was, mm-hmm. where now you see an ad or what looks like a content mm-hmm. piece that is 90 seconds long fits when you watch it on digital or on YouTube or Facebook or wherever it is that you, you view mm. such work mm. and it spreads, you know, what's the secret to that? I think the, the secret is actually an old age secret. Make it worth my while, you know? You know, I'm from the school of, you know, copy, of body copy, of captivating headlines, you know? You must remember you're interrupting my life, you're interrupting my viewing, my day, you know, my train of thought, you, you're interviewing something, you, you interrupted something I enjoy watching, reading or listening to or playing even, you know, so you better make it worth my while. I think that's an old thing that I've, you know, we, we were taught when we started out in the game. And that's what the content guys are saying to us, you know, make it, make it worth your while. I'm going to choose two examples of all the trillion music videos that are in the world right now to stand up. It's Childish Gambino. This is America. You watch that thing frame by frame. You don't look away. You don't, I mean, excuse the fact that it's, there, there are certain parts of it that make you go, oh, you know, but that whole thing is a, is, is a story. It's yes. compelling and it keeps you glued. And then Beyonce comes and makes us watch an hour and a half of pure splendor. When last did you watch something just sitting, yes. you know? And we are the age of um, um, choosing what, what, okay, I'm old school, like PVR vibes, you know? I don't know what the latest term is now. Yes. Yeah, content on Yes, content, yeah, content yeah, demand, yeah. Right? I can just pause it and go to the kitchen and whatever. Very few people did that when they watched that video because the content was worth their while, you know? Whether they watched it on television or online, it's, it was content that was just captivating. So make it worth people's while. Um, and, and, and make it worth their buck, man, you know? I buy this data. Don't waste my data with your nonsense. You know what I mean? So that that's, I think for me, that'll be the only gem I drop on that one. Make it worth my while. Yeah. That's that's interesting. But also, I mean, going back to the Childish Gambino video, it's mm. interesting that you mentioned that video, as a matter of fact, because I used it a couple of times in, in talks that I kind of gave to a few audiences. Yeah. And people had seen it, you know? Is it not because... It speaks to this era and to occurrences of this time. So I'm going to answer that question with two sides of a coin. Malcolm X says, or said rather, if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. So we try and get our clients to have their brands stand for something. And case in point is Channel O. Already it's a youth brand, you know, but that's just the product. 
but what is what is their function? Why are they there? You know, to bring the issues of young people to the fore. That's basically what we've made them do. Playing music videos is a staple, but they don't stand for music videos. They stand for something greater. And it shows in the work that we've been creating for them over the past years. But sometimes there are brands that shouldn't be brands that are socio-driven. You know, for example, a, a brand like X. You know what I mean? True. That's yeah. just for adolescent 11 to 16-year-olds that are getting into puberty. You know what I mean? If those guys come out and I don't even know what they could say, that social justice, sometimes certain brands shouldn't try and do it. And we saw with COVID when brands didn't know what to say and literally you could put any logo of any brand at the end of those ads. Everybody shot empty CTs, empty offices. I mean, there was even a spoof about it online, you know, that all the ads look the same now because those brands didn't know what they stood for. One other thing that comes up quite a bit is the issue of trust, right? Mm. When when a brand is working with a creative team mm. um, or when a creative team pitches an idea to, to their clients, precisely some of these ideas and some of this work that could make a brand stand out. How do you, as the lead in creative teams, gain the trust of these big clients, which is important in getting sign-off on some of this remarkable work that we speak of? Mm. Everything is a journey, man. I, you know, we always see great work and we're like, oh, how did clients buy that? Ne? And then you go into that agency's records and you realize they've had that account for no less than 10 years. And you look at the gradual mm-hmm. progression of that work, you know, like the, yes. um, I don't know which uh, uh, artist said this and he said, they asked him, how do you carve an elephant from a block of wood? And he said, I chisel out all the parts that are not yes. elephant. And that takes time, you know, because it means yeah. listening to your client, you know, and you push them gradually so that by the time you show them yes. on the fifth or the seventh year, that stonka that you actually had at the at, on pitch day, now they're looking at it on some, yo, guys, yes. let's go and do this. Then you have, a, you have an yeah. evangelist yeah. in your client, you know. Burger yes. King 15, yes. 20 years ago wasn't doing... Burger King work now because they were still like gradually growing this client, making them love good work and showing that creativity actually works. Creative work has a higher rate of return than run of the mill work. You know what I mean? So it's, it's those things come from friendships and partnerships. They don't happen overnight. You may get a lucky one here or there, but you need to really go hand in hand. And when I say hand in hand, I don't mean you're dragging your client to love good work because your client is your yes. partner. Who are you going to do that work for? Mm. You're going to do it for your client. Yeah. And, you know, and obviously the consumer. Exactly. So that is the most important thing is partnerships and, and nurturing them, you know, and if the wrong song song, if we're right, we all right. If we win, we, we all win. You know, clients like to know that they care about them and genuinely, and not because you want to go win your can or your lurries or your DNAD. Show that you care about their career even. Dude, I see you CMO of this. And that person is still like a junior manager. You know what I mean? So, yes. so it's mm-hmm. those kind of friendships. And I see a lot of agency people 
They disrespect the junior guys, eh? Not knowing that actually the CMOs relies on the junior people to tell them where to where to go because the, those young marketers are still nimble enough. They're still fresh enough. You know, they're like a sponge. You know, they they you know they they, they suck so much and they're able to squeeze it out them again. You know, so please let's respect those seemingly junior marketers because they're going to be our bosses tomorrow. Mm. Yeah. So. Where should, uh, I mean, just to, 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 to wrap up, where should brands begin to create beautiful work that resonates and gets results or moves people, as you put it? I mean, of course, first prize would be working with you. <laughs> Thank you. Other, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so other much. Other than that, where should they begin? Like what pillars or what things should be in there for these brands or these creators to start making beautiful work, a work that gets results, positive results, desired results. I think if you take for granted that the client already has a, a good brand or something that can work, for me, first choice is respect, respect, respect your consumer. And, you know, you and I have been in this in this advertising space for a while to know that we've seen some ads where with the whole dancing issue, I'm not going to go into that. But where where the consumer is not respected, like it's, yeah. you know, we speak to them like, yo, I, I can't even think of it like what, you know. So yeah, I think brands question. I mean, you spoke about insight. When you question the insight that led to this work, mm. when you mm. know, when it's it's when a a group of smart, intelligent people actually contributed to creating this type of work, and mm. then. You see people singing and dancing yeah. when actually that doesn't match up to the consumer that they are talking to. I, I get I get your point. Mm-hmm. So so I think for me respect for respect and it goes on both sides. Um, when I'm on um, creatives should respect their target audience and clients should also respect them because we are in this business because of those people. You know because of their hard earned cash. And we are swaying them. We're persuading them. They don't wake up and say, "Ooh, I can't wait to go." No, no, no. They've been persuaded to to move into that direction by us. So, in that persuasion, I think a little respect goes a long way. That's absolutely incredible, Z. Thank you very much for your time. I think on that note, I mean, I'll close it off on that note where really we have to respect um, the consumer as well as the clients. Thank you for listening to The Lead Creative. Did you get one insight that's worth sharing from this episode? Please share it with a friend or anyone who might like it. Pop me some of your ideas and innovative finds on Twitter at Mongezi. This podcast is available on Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Apple, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. This podcast is also hosted on iafrican.com forward slash radio. You can find me and more of my content on mongezi.com.